The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com, your daily morning podcast, updating you on everything you need to know to win your fantasy baseball league. Here's your host, Chad Young. Hello and welcome to the First Pitch Podcast. As the man said, my name is Chad Young, in subbing for Scott Chu on this fine Thursday morning, diving into all the news from Wednesday, the big move was Max Scherzer hitting the IL. For some of you, this is a big hit to your fantasy teams at a tough time. For the rest of us, just bad news generally. As Scherzer is such a great pitcher, so fun to watch. Just another hit for the Mets, too, as they continue to stumble. With David Peterson up, they have a full five-man rotation, and Peterson is a good pickup for fantasy as long as he is starting. Red Sox lost Franchi Cordero for the year to an ankle sprain. For those of you that can't quit Franchi, this is just saving you from yourself. Abraham Almonte replaced him on the active roster. He pinch hit and went 0 for 1. Starling Marte, who came out of the game Tuesday after being hit by a pitch in his hand, was diagnosed with a partial fracture on his finger. Partial fracture just means the bone didn't break all the way through, which still doesn't sound real good to me, but the Mets are hopeful he'll avoid the IL. Curious to see if that holds. Feels like a broken finger would make it hard to play baseball, but guess we will find out. The Jays option Mitch White to the minors, calling up Zach Pop to replace him. They also placed Teoscar Hernandez on the paternity list and recalled catcher prospect Gabriel Moreno. Big fantasy impact here is probably just a few days off for Teoscar. Moreno remains an interesting prospect, but the Jays are playing for their playoff lives and have been getting what they need from Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen. That probably limits his time. Continuing our tour of AL East players going on the paternity list, that's what's going to keep Josh Donaldson away for a few days. Donaldson has really struggled this year anyway, so not a huge fantasy loss. Though the Yankees are piling up some missing players at this point. Anthony Rizzo added to that list as he went on the IL Wednesday, dealing with headaches following a shot to deal with back pain. He's taking 48 hours off to rest before getting back to baseball activities, but if that goes well, this could be a quick absence. Meanwhile, the Yankees called up Miguel Anjahar and Ronald Guzman, both of whom were in lineups today, but neither has much fantasy appeal. The Rays activated Brandon Lau off the IL. He went 0-3 for Wednesday playing second base and batting second. Lau's had a disappointing season, and how he recovers this last month is going to go a long way to determining his 2023 draft placement. I still expect a big month from him, but I'll bring an option to the minors to make room. The Royals got Zach Grinke back from the IL. He stymied the Guardians for six innings, giving up a run on six hits and a walk with two strikeouts. No win for him, though, as the Royals didn't score until the ninth. 
to make room the team option Max Castillo to the minors. He's got some stuff to work out, and it seems like they're content to let him do that in Omaha. The White Sox got Michael Kopech back as well. He was not as successful as Grinky, going just three and two-thirds, giving up four runs on four hits, striking out four while walking two. He started the season so strong, but there were always hints in the stat line that the regression was coming. I'm not anxious to start Kopech, and while I think he could be a nice late-round gamble in 2023, my guess is there's enough interest that his draft price will stay too high for me. Another starting pitcher made his return Wednesday as Tyler Wells was back for the Orioles. They used him effectively as an opener since he's still building back to full strength. They then had Dean Kramer, the intended starter who was scratched, act as the follower. Wells went two, gave up a run, allowed a couple of hits and a couple walks, struck out one. Kramer took the loss following him, giving up three runs, although only two were earned. He gave up six hits in five and a third innings, struck out three and walked two. Not too bad versus the Jays. Kramer and Wells appear to both be in the rotation moving forward as Spencer Watkins was optioned to AAA to make room for Wells. An interesting call up in St. Louis, Dylan Carlson headed to the IL with a left thumb sprain. That's apparently been bothering him for a while and could explain why he struggled a bit lately. But that made room for Alec Burleson to make his debut. Burleson isn't an elite prospect or anything, but he has put up a very strong line in AAA this year with a 138 WRC+, plus, including 20 home runs. I have him in an auto new league or two, and those types of formats, I think he's really interesting. Hopefully he gets a real shot in the next couple weeks. He did not play on Wednesday, so look for his debut sometime this weekend. The Twins called up Louis Varland. 24-year-old was good in AA and then excellent in four AAA starts before getting the call for his debut. And against the Yankees in New York, he went five and a third, giving up two runs on three hits and a walk, striking out seven. It's pretty impressive, but check out the Yankees lineup if you can. Aaron Judge was there. Glaber Torres has a 7-12 OPS, and no one else is over 650. Now, that's not to downplay what Varland did. He was legitimately excellent. But just to note that, at least for right now, the Yankees aren't a bad target for your starting pitchers. Varland isn't a guy I'm rushing out to add, but another solid start, and I'll be in. There are some good signs there. The other big move Wednesday is really a move coming today. The Rangers announced that Josh Young will be added to the active roster, with Brad Miller headed to the I.L., Expect to see the Rangers' top prospect in the lineup at third base. Young has had 101 plate appearances in AAA and has a 102 WRC+. It's not super exciting, but if you look at that as a rehab assignment, and that's really what it's been for him, you can see the talent across his previous body of work. He brings elite OBP skills, a strong hit tool, and enough power to matter. He should contribute across four categories, and I think he's an easy pickup in most formats, especially OBP leagues. Some injuries in Wednesday's action. Juan Soto hitting the right shoulder almost up near his neck and had to leave the game a couple of innings later. Bob Melvin said after the game he thinks Soto will be good to go Friday as the pods have an off day today. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. beat out a double play but apparently tweaked his hamstring in the process. He's getting an MRI and so he should learn more today. He was off to a strong start in September. That's a payoff for the loyal managers who stayed with him during August. But now the rest of that might be in doubt. Joey Gallo took a pitch off the elbow and came out of the game. After the game, he reported they got hit in the funny bone and his fingers were tingling, but he thinks he's fine. X-rays were negative. Honestly, I can't imagine being hit so hard in the funny bone that I need x-rays. That sounds just awful. Gallo looks like a new man with the Dodgers. His ISO's back up to 266, right around his career numbers. And his BAPIP has come up as well, driven by an increased exit velocity, an increased barrel rate, a higher hard hit rate. This is legit improvement, and Gallo, if the elbow is good, should be a great source of power down the stretch. 
As for production on the field Wednesday, Tyler Naquin hasn't really been what the Mets hoped, but he had a big day. In their doubleheader with the Pirates, he was combined four for eight with a double, a home run, two runs, four RBI. He's a guy you should only use with a platoon advantage, but he can help you across a variety of categories if you do. Naquin wasn't the only unexpected bat to put up a big day in a doubleheader. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa was a combined three for eight with a walk, three runs, five RBIs, two stolen bases, a grand slam home run, and a walk-off hit. Just a massive day. Unlike Naquin, though, I am not going to advise using Kiner-Falefa. Maybe as a source of speed if you really need it, but just not that exciting a bat. Michael Toglia was a surprise call-up for me given his limited time in AAA and the Rockies being the Rockies, but he's up to a 120 WRC plus after going two for four with a double and a home run Wednesday, scoring twice and driving in four. His hit tool is a question mark, but he's doing enough to be interesting if you need a first base or util depth, and he's been playing outfield. He may have outfield eligibility now in a handful of leagues. If his walk rate rises closer to his track record, he could have a big finish. Since being recalled, Spencer Torkelson hasn't exactly been great, but he's been much better. His walk rate is up, his K rate is way down, and his 104 WRC Plus isn't world-shaking, but it's a big improvement. Then, he added to that Wednesday, going 1-for-3 with a walk and a home run. He did strike out as well, but still, it feels like we're seeing a much-improved torque, even if there wasn't a ton in his minor league performance to suggest it. It's really just great to see. David Villar had a hard time getting regular run, but now has started six straight days for the Giants. And after going two for four with a couple of home runs Wednesday, yeah, that's right, a couple of home runs Wednesday, he's up to a 123 WRC plus on the year. He has 31 home runs between AAA and MLB. It looks like he could be a nice boost down the stretch. Eloy Jimenez put up a nice day in sunny Seattle going three for four with a home run, double, two runs, three RBIs. When he's on the field, he's producing. He is just killing the ball lately. In a losing effort opposite him, Eugenio Suarez hit a couple home runs, going two for five with two runs and three RBIs. He provides little other than power, but he does have 27 home runs in the year now. Not done with the two homer nights yet. Aristides Aquino, whose magical six weeks feels like it was decades ago now, hit his sixth and seventh home runs of the year, going three for four with two runs and three RBIs. He has just a 55 WRC plus on the year, but... That is his third home run in his last nine plate appearances, and dating back to August 31st, he's 8 for 16 with those three home runs. Will it continue? I doubt it, but we know what he can do when he's hot. One last double-dong night, this one from Dalton Varsho, who went two for four with two solo shots. He was the DH Wednesday, as the D-backs are clearly intent on keeping him in the lineup, even while giving others time in the outfield or a catcher. Varsho now has five home runs in his last five games, seven in his last 12 games, and is just on fire as we near the end of the season. Other home runs around the game Wednesday, Eduardo Escobar hit his 15th, Jose Miranda hit number 14, Aaron Judge up to 55. Glaber Torres has cooled off a bit, but mashed his 19th. Carlos Correa got his 17th. Alan Trejo hit his second. Andrew McCutcheon and Luis Urias both hit their 15th. Vaughn Grissom got number five. Seth Brown heating up again. He has 21. Kerry Carpenter hit his third. Eric Haas his 10th. The Tigers' Ryan Creedler hit the first of his career. Matt Tice of the Angels got his first. Mike Trout hit his 32nd, and Shohei Otani made sure to stay one ahead with his 33rd. Justin Turner is absolutely tearing it up lately. He hit his 11th. Max Muncy up to 19. Jacob Stallings hit his 4th. Edmundo Sosa hit his 2nd. Gene Segura his 9th. Luke Voigt his 19th. Paul Goldschmidt his 35th. Nate Lowe hit his 24th, as did Kyle Tucker. Jerks and Profar hit number 14. Jake Cronenworth number 15. Will Myers hit his 4th. And Corbin Carroll 
Got his first big league home run, likely the first of many to come. Too bad for him. He also had another first in this one, his first time being caught stealing. Which brings us to our stolen bases on Wednesday. Brian Reynolds stole number six. Jeff McNeil swiped his third. The Yanks ran wild in game two of their doubleheader. Aaron Judge stole his 16th. Labor Torres his seventh. They both had combo meals for the day, but not for a game. Esteban Floreal swiped his second. Marwin Gonzalez his third. Andrew Velasquez swiped his 15th. Leury Garcia nabbed number two. Trevor Story stole his 13th. Yandy Diaz stole his third. Santiago Espinal got his sixth. Andreas Jimenez stole number 17. Nate Eaton nabbed his fifth. Bobby Witt Jr. is up to 27. Number 23 for Marcus Simeon. And Trent Grisham swiped his sixth. Turning our attention to the hurlers. Jacob deGrom, always a good place to start, and he was great. Seven innings, three hits, one walk, eight strikeouts, zero runs. Got his fifth win. Even got 10 runs of run support from the Mets. But just another ho-hum day at the office for the best pitcher in the game. DeGrom, though, he had to do that because otherwise he was going to be shown up by his teammate. Chris Bassett went seven strong, giving up a run and five hits and a walk, striking out 10. His cutter got 10 whiffs on 29 pitches, as the Pirates just had no clue what to do with that. Bassett and DeGrom get the Cubs next, and I'm obviously always starting DeGrom. And yeah, I'm, I'm in on Bassett now. I've been out on him for a while. Haven't really trusted it, but I think it's time for me to admit that, especially facing a team like the Cubs, he's well worth starting. Really a much better pitcher than I think I gave him credit for. Garrett Cole couldn't be the only ace to struggle in New York Wednesday, so he went six and two thirds, giving up a run on five hits, two walks, and struck out 14. Are his six extra Ks worth the higher whip in ERA than DeGrom? I don't know. I don't really care. Wish I had them both. Spencer Strider couldn't quite match those guys, giving up two runs on two hits and three walks. That was to the lowly A's. He went six innings and did strike out nine. Got a win. Got a quality start, so nothing to complain about. Clayton Kershaw was more in the Strider camp. Two runs on five hits without a walk, striking out eight over six. His pen blew his W and then took the win for themselves. Selfish jerks. Still, great start. Alec Manoa taking his seat in this group. Eight innings, one run, three hits, a walk, struck out five. Would you like more strikeouts? Sure. Are you going to complain? No, of course not. Kyle Freeland pitched well at Coors, going six innings of one run ball on two hits, striking out eight while walking one. I still wouldn't risk him at home, but good to know he can handle it. Domingo Herman was pretty good versus the Twins, not great. Six innings, giving up three runs, and yeah, that's a quality start. Seven hits, one walk, six strikeouts. The ERA and whip aren't great. Could have been a lot worse. Use them when the matchups allow, but it needs to be pretty soft in my opinion. Ken Waldachuk took the loss, giving up three runs and three hits. Two home runs will do that to you. He pitched five and a third, struck out two. His control was solid as he avoided walks, but if you check out the SP Roundup, you'll see Nick Pollock noting that his slider and change need work. That said, I'm in on Waldachuk long term. I doubt I'll use him much this year, but I want him on my teams in the future. Patrick Sandoval was solid, but only lasted five, giving up a run and six hits and a walk with four strikeouts. The area is nice, but no win or quality start, less than a strikeout per inning, and a high whip. Nah, I'm not going to sit him or anything like that, but I would have liked better. Luis Castillo struck out six straight to open the game and then wasn't really very good after that. He gave up six runs, only half of those were earned, lasted just five and two thirds, gave up five hits and a walk while striking out eight total. We've talked before about not getting tricked by the good Pavetta because the bad will eventually follow. Well, Wednesday was the good, five innings, one run, two hits, three walks, three strikeouts. But even in that good, there weren't many Ks or too many walks. You can start to see the outlines of the bad sneaking up. If you've been thinking about taking the Trevor Rogers plunge, 
Quality start at six innings pitch, three runs, five hits. Doesn't seem great, but he K'd eight and didn't walk anyone. Just nine whiffs. That's a little concerning, but he has the Rangers and Nats coming up. So now's not a bad time to make a move for him. Bailey Falter has been stronger lately and with a weak Marlins offense, he got a W, but not much else. Five and a third, two runs and seven hits, just three strikeouts. The ERA does help. He doubles up with the fish next, so you can throw him out there again. Mike Miner going five and two thirds, allowing just one run is not a thing I expected this year. Mike Miner giving up 10 hits and getting just three strikeouts versus one walk. That's more like what I expected. Still going to stay away from him. Jordan Montgomery strong again, going six and two thirds, allowing a run on three hits, two walks, six Ks versus the Nats. His pen did not fare as well and nearly cost them the game as a result. Did cost him his win. Corey Abbott was as good opposite him, but just four and a third innings for his one run, five hits, and five strikeouts. He was legit strong Wednesday, but I would not bet on that happening again. Christian Javier gave up three runs in five and a third, but only one was earned, and he kept the whip in line with four hits and two walks. He also struck out eight. No win or quality start for him, though. Still pretty happy with this, and I'll still keep running him out there. Finally, Yu Darvish gave up three runs on five hits and three walks over six innings with six strikeouts. He got a win and a quality start, but the rates are pretty bad. Doesn't really change how you use him down the stretch anyway. Out of the bullpens, Lucas Litke got the save in game two for the Yankees. The first game went to 12 innings, so the pen was taxed, and he gave them a big two and a third innings, allowing three hits, striking out three to protect a big lead. In that 12-inning game one, the Twins, Griffin, Jacks blew a save in the six, and then they got scoreless innings from Caleb Fielbar, Jorge Lopez. He came out in the eighth, allowed a hit and a walk, but was, as I said, scoreless. Yuan Duran went two, Michael Fulmer went an inning, and then Trevor McGill eventually took the loss, giving up that walk-off hit. The Yanks got scoreless work from Wandy Peralta and Jonathan Luizaga, as well as two innings of Clay Holmes before Ron Marinaccio gave up a run. Greg Weiser cleaned up after him and ended up getting the win when the Yankees walked it off. With Atlanta up four, Kenley Jansen got a night off, and Rizal Iglesias went an inning with two strikeouts to close it out. Of course, no save. Man, having both of those guys is a luxury. Tigers had to come from behind, but they managed to score a couple off Jose Quijada of the Angels. That gave Gregory Soto a chance for his 25th save. He gave up a walk and hit, but struck out the side around that. In a back-and-forth affair, the White Sox managed to both blow and earn a save. Aaron Bummer got the blown save-slash-win, giving up a run on two hits and a walk in an inning with a couple of strikeouts. And then Liam Hendricks struck out three straight for his 31st save. Effectively a pen game for the Rays as Jeffrey Springs only went three innings and Yanni Chernos followed with three more. Eventually, Peter Fairbanks locked down his sixth save with a scoreless ninth, two strikeouts and a walk in that inning. The Phillies went to Connor Brogdon in the ninth for his second save. He wasn't great, but as the Phillies are piecing together their pen, he has been very solid for them this year. Jordan Romano closed out Manoa's win with a 1-2-3 ninth, including two strikeouts for his 31st save. After Giovanni Gallegos gave up three runs in just a third of an inning, the cards looked dead, but they put up a five spot to walk it off against Kyle Finnegan. He gave up five runs on four hits, two walks in just two thirds of an inning. That is not a back-end guy I want on my roster. Scott Barlow got his sixth win for the Royals when Emmanuel Classe blew his first save since early May and just his third save on the year. He threw 10 balls in his first 11 pitches and eventually got just two outs, allowing two runs on a hit and three walks. One of them an intentional walk to set up a double play that instead was the game-winning sack fly. Last but not least, Josh Hader got his 31st save, but just his second as a Padre. He went 1-2-3 without a strikeout versus the D-backs. 
Hayter's last three innings since that six-run implosion on August 28th, he's given up just one run on a walk and a hit, but has also only struck out one. I wouldn't say he's quite back, but he's certainly on his way. With that, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about Thursday's action. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. Right, welcome back. Start off with a look at the weather with our friend Mark Paquette. Thank you very much. Well, we continue to have this stubborn storm off the New England coast, but luckily, like the heavy rain from early in the week is all over. So we'll see some drizzles, some clouds, but we won't have any postponements or delays um, expected today. And out west, the heat continues, but it's a dry heat. So, well, Hopefully you get some relief sometime soon, but uh, unless you're like the immediate California coast, you might get some tropical moisture from a decaying hurricane. It doesn't look like anything is going to help you out too much soon. But in terms of baseball, play away. Have a good one. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Mark. If you're looking for someone to stream, it's kind of a short slate, so limited options. Adrian Sampson is one, getting the Reds at Wrigley. But I think Kyle Gibson is my first choice as he gets the Marlins at home. As for I'm starting my hitters, Josiah Gray has been homer prone. The cards have a bunch of power hitters. Goldie, Arenado, Pujols. I'm hoping we see a Burleson debut, plus another day at the top of the order from Lars Newbar. I want all of those guys in my lineup if I can get them. Finally, if you're looking for something great to watch, Dylan Cease and J.P. Sears have a combined ERA of 4.50. That is pretty good. Of course, one of them is a Cy Young candidate. The other is a young guy I'm not really sure I trust, but still, that should be fun to watch. Well, that's all I've got for you here. You can head over to Pitcher List and check out the SP Roundup, Batters Box, and Reliever Ranks. Get a lot more information on what went down yesterday, what's going to go down today. With that, enjoy your Thursday, and I will be back with you tomorrow. This has been the First Pitch Podcast, brought to you by PitcherList.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at PitcherList, and help support what we do by joining our Discord with PitcherList Plus at PitcherList.com slash plus.